Well, guys, good morning. If you've got your Bibles, I want to encourage you to open them up to the book of Deuteronomy, uh, chapter 30. Book of Deuteronomy, chapter 30. We're going to focus verse 11 through 20. You can just kind of, kind of mark uh, that. We're going to come back to it here in a second. We're in the midst of a study that's talking about the spiritual warfare that's going on with our minds, right? Uh, the, the Bible says that we have an enemy that is raising up arguments against the knowledge of God. And, and so these arguments, they, they're, they're meant to attack our, our minds. It's one of the reasons the Bible says we have to take every thought captive because the enemy knows that if he can get us um, thinking about and believing the wrong things, that if we believe the wrong things, we believe a lie, then that belief, that wrong belief will affect the way that we act and it'll affect the way that we feel about ourselves and then the way that we feel about ourselves and about God and the actions that, 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 that we do uh, will then further strengthen the wrong belief that we have have, and it leads to this dangerous cycle that we call a stronghold. And, and the reason the enemy does this is because he hates us, right? The Bible says that, that the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And so he likes to keep people in these sin patterns. He likes to keep them in bondage. But the good news of the gospel is that God has intervened. That he has sent one who has come to break every tie that binds. He, he sent his son Jesus to set every captive free. And so what we're talking about in this study is how we can be free of some of these wrong beliefs that we've had. And last week, of course, we talked about the lie that said if, if, my, if my circumstances were different, then I'd be happy, right? I'd be happy. So uh, you had some homework last week, and I'm just checking in. I'm just checking in. We drew out a conflict map. Uh, we had ourselves on the map. You may have written your name. You may have just written me. Then you wrote down every person, place, or thing that you find yourself in conflict with. I had you then draw a circle around yourself. And what was the homework? Work on everybody in that circle. So how'd that go this week? How'd that go this week? We're laughing. I don't know. Some of you are like, I didn't like it. Let me just be honest with you. If you didn't like last week, just get ready because we're just going to pile on that. So the, la, this week's lie builds upon uh, the one last week. And so uh, this morning, we're, we're going to get into another lie. But before we do, um, let's pray that God would speak his truth to us, okay? Uh, Father, we recognize this morning we can do nothing without um, your spirit. We recognize your son, Jesus Christ, and this morning we recognize that He is the truth. We recognize this morning that His words are true, that, that the entire Word of God is the truth. And so God, we're asking by the power of Your Spirit that You would come now and that You would speak Your truth to us. Holy Spirit, we want to invite you into this space. We're, we're going to ask you to come and step into our pulpit. Uh, get me out of the way. You stand here and deliver the word of God. Teach us from the inside out. Teach us the truth of God's word so that it brings about effectual change in our life. Work on us this morning. Work on our hearts. Work on our minds. Change us from the inside out that Jesus might be glorified we ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. All right. So what lie are we going to attack this morning as we continue to seek out the freedom that Christ can bring? Well, here it is. Ready? Here's the lie. You've heard this before. I can't help the way I am. Right? Man, I, I can't help the way I am. Listen, I, I can't help that I'm not an affectionate person. My, my parents never showed me 
affection growing up, right? I, 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 can't, I can't help the fact that I, I have a temper. I'm, I'm Irish, right? Okay? Of course, that works with almost every nationality, it seems like, right? I mean, I, I, I hear my, my friend Elizabeth Heilig is down here. I love her to death. She's like, listen, I, that's the Latina in me coming out, right? We, it, it just depends. we all have some excuse no matter where we're from. That's where the fieriness comes from, right? I, I can't help that I have commitment issues. I come from a long line of leavers, right? I, I can't help the way I feel. I was born this way. And, and that's just a few versions of this lie, right? This life manifests itself in several ways. And, and like last week, there always seems to be a long list of excuses, a million reasons why it's not our fault, why it's beyond our control. And all of those reasons, all those excuses, just make this lie stronger in our life. And so this morning, we're going to try to drop the excuses. And we're going to try to get to the heart of what God says about this lie, Okay. And so I've got three things I want to share with you uh, this morning. And here's the first truth. I'll just be honest with you. We're going to spend about two-thirds of our time in this one truth, okay? It, it's that important. And so here's the first truth. I want you to know that Scripture says in regards to this lie, ready? Because of Calvary, we have a choice, okay? But because of, of Calvary, we, we have a choice. Now, you may remember at the beginning of our series, I said the best lies always have an element of truth, Right? The best lies always have an element of truth. And this is one of Satan's best lies, by the way. And it does have an element of, of truth. And, and that element of truth is that there was a time when we did not have the ability to choose. Right? There was a time, according to Scripture, when we, like the Israelites, were enslaved. And when you are enslaved, you have no freedom to choose. You following me? And so what we're going to do this morning, when we get into Deuteronomy, is we're going to walk through the life of the Israelites. We're going to walk through something that Moses lays out before them. But before we can explain the, the choice that Moses begins to talk to them about, we have to know their backstory. So I'm going to be in Deuteronomy 30 in a second, but before we get there, we need to um, walk through a few things. And as we study the life of the Israelites, I pray that God would bring this truth to our minds. And so here's the backstory. Since the fall in Genesis chapter 3, God has promised one who would come and crush the head of the serpent, right? And so he says, this, this promised one, this savior that is coming, is, is, is going to come through the nation of Israel. Now, now the nation wasn't, wasn't, didn't exist yet. God says, I'm going to build a nation for myself. I'm going to call this nation Israel. Now, that nation begins with one man. His name was Abraham. He's going to be the father of many nations. And there's a promised son through whom all the promises of God for this nation will come. His name is not Ishmael. It is not take things, uh, take matters into your own hands. It, God's promise is going to come through the son Isaac. Now, Isaac is going to have two sons, right? Jacob and Esau. Now, Jacob's a bit of a schemer early on, but eventually his name is changed to Israel. Now, Israel or Jacob has 12 sons. And he shows one of them a lot of favoritism because it comes from his favorite wife, right? The beautiful Rachel. 
And so uh, Jacob shows his son Joseph great favoritism. And his, his other boys are really deeply affected. And one day, you know the story. God says, Joseph, I want you to go out and check on your brothers who are tending to the flock. He's not even tending to the flock. He doesn't have a rough life. He's like in the house. He's already the manager. God, his, son, his father's already said, hey, you're going to be in charge one day. And so he goes out to check on, the, on the, the lowly worker brothers. And when they see him, they said, man, we can't stand him. Let's get rid of him. And they throw him into a pit. They're going to kill him. They decide, no, we're not going to kill him. Let's sell him into slavery. Joseph ends up in Egypt, right? Potiphar's house. I'm in prison. Eventually, he ends up in the palace of Pharaoh. God uses every circumstance that was meant for evil. God uses it for good. He raises up Joseph to become the second in command uh, to Pharaoh. Really, he, he's in charge of all of Egypt other than title of Pharaoh. And, and there's a great famine that comes upon the land, right? And so uh, Jacob sends his other sons to get grain. And they go to buy grain because Egypt is the only place that has it because God used, right, uh, his son, jo- uh, God used Joseph um, to, in, in, in the wisdom they gave him to store up all the grain. So, so the family eventually moves back to Egypt and, and there, uh, they, they're given choice land. And it is in Egypt that the nation of Israel really becomes a nation, that they multiply greatly. So much so that, that after Joseph dies and after the Pharaoh dies, a new Pharaoh comes um, in, into power and he looks around and he says, there are more Jews than Egyptians here. And if they ever come to their senses, they will rule over us. So we will have to enslave them now. And that's what happens to the Jews. And they remain enslaved for generations. Now, here's what I'm going to submit to you this morning. Everything we find in the Old Testament exists to point to Jesus Christ. Okay? I'm going to say that again. Many of you read the Old Testament. You're like, I don't understand this. I don't know why this story is here. All of the stories in the Old Testament exist to point to the first coming of Jesus Christ. All right, that's why they exist. And so what happens to the Israelites in the Exodus is probably the best illustration of what happens to us in Jesus Christ. All right, so I I want to walk that out for you. So, So listen, they were enslaved. They were enslaved. They had no choice. They could not help the way that they were. They were enslaved, all right? So, so this is the truth. This is the kernel of truth in the lie. When they were enslaved, they had no choice, and they could not help who they were but God. But God. But God, who is rich in mercy and grace, heard their cries, and he intervened. So God sends a deliverer. And so the deliverer comes, and the pinnacle moment of that deliverance is called the Passover, right? It's the tenth plague. And so the blood of a a perfect lamb is shed, and it's placed here, and it's placed here, and it's placed here, and that that blood of the perfect lamb is enough, right? Right? God says, I'm going to sweep through Egypt as an act of judgment. I'm going to strike dead every firstborn male. But when I see the blood of the perfect Passover lamb, death will pass over that house and the firstborn will be saved. And there was great mourning in Egypt, right? Including the Pharaoh's house. How many of you, real quick, just show of hands, how many of you are a firstborn male? Okay. How many of you, keep your hands up, firstborn male. How many of you are here because you're the son or the daughter of a firstborn male? Okay. So if you could just think through all those hands that just went up, the, the amount of, of change that happens. 
because of something, an event like this. And so, so man, it, it hits, and Pharaoh is, is upset, and he's finally overcome, and his heart is finally broken. He says, man, get out of my land. Get out of Egypt. And, and so they, they pack up, and they begin to leave. But then we know Pharaoh's heart changes again, and he becomes enraged. And so he pursues them, right? He pursues them all the way, and he pins them against the Red Sea, and God does another miracle. He, he makes a way where there seems to be no way, and so there's a great parting. So, so we had Passover, right? But after Passover comes a parting, and God actually parts the Red Seas, and they walk across on, on dry ground into, into the promise. Now, now, a way has been made because of Passover, because of parting, for them to walk into the promise of God. Now, what seems like certain death as the enemy pursues them, what happens to that death? It is swallowed up in victory. You guys, you guys follow me? I mean, you just tracking with me here a little bit, how, how these things connect? So, so this certain death is now swallowed up in victory. And the moment that they arrive on the other side, as they head to the promise, now, now listen, they're not going to enter the promise right away. We know these guys are stubborn. They are stiff. In fact, they're, they're going to they're gonna enter into the promise, they're going to be on the way, and they're going to start to complain about the promise. Like, oh, I want to go back. I want to be enslaved. I'd rather do it the old way, right? And, and, and God is like, all right, you stiff-necked people, I'll just kill you all and start with your children. Forty years of wandering, not, none of those complainers are going to make it. New generation is going to rise up. And so where we are in Deuteronomy chapter 30, starting in verse 11, is Moses is speaking to that new generation. And he's speaking to a new generation, and so he's got to say some old things. And, and, and what he's going to say to this new generation is, listen, there has been a Passover. That Passover led to a great parting. That parting has allowed you to walk into the promise. And now that you've walked into the promise, you, know, you need to know there is a path laid before you. And, and this path laid before you means some things. And so I'm in Deuteronomy chapter uh, 30, starting in verse 11, and let's read the Word of God together. It says, This command that I give you today is certainly not too difficult or beyond your reach. It is, it is not in heaven so that you have to ask who will go up to heaven and get it for us and proclaim it to us so that we may follow it. And it's not across the sea so that you have to ask who will cross the sea and get it for us and proclaim it to us so that we may follow it. But the message is very near you. It's in your mouth and it's in your heart so that you may follow it. See, today I have set before you life and death. Life and prosperity, death and adversity. For I am commanding you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in His ways, and to keep His commands, statutes, and ordinances, so that you may live and multiply, and the Lord your God may bless you in the land that you're entering to possess. But if your heart turns away, and you do not listen, and you are led astray to bow and worship to other gods and to serve them, I tell you today that you will certainly perish and will not prolong your days in the land that you are entering to possess across the Jordan. I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Ready? Choose life. Moses says, choose life so that you and your descendants may live. Love the Lord your God. Obey Him and remain faithful to Him for He is your life. And He will prolong your days as you live in the land the Lord swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Recap. Listen. They were enslaved and they had no choice. Right? They could not help 
who they were. So God sent a deliverer. And the pinnacle moment of that deliverance was a Passover. That Passover, that blood of the innocent lamb, it led to a parting. They were able to walk across on dry ground into the promise of God. What seemed like certain death was swallowed up in victory. And when that victory occurs, as they have walked into the promise, a path is laid before them. And that path is this. You now get this. Verse 19, ready? You now get to choose. That's what most, listen, you were enslaved. You were stuck. You had no ability to choose. Like, like you couldn't choose who you would be. You had no choice. But God, but God intervened and he delivered you. And he delivered you by the blood of a precious lamb. And then he parted the sea so that you could walk into the promise. And when you got to the promise, he laid before you the path of life. And now you are free to choose. You were not free to choose, but now you are free to choose. And Moses says, would you please choose life? Would you please choose life? So that you and your descendants may live. And friends, what I'm going to say to you this morning is this is our story too. I want you to see the, the similarity so that you don't miss it. John the Baptist first lays eyes on Jesus in John chapter 1, uh, verse 29. And he says this, uh, Here is the Lamb of God. Other translations said, Behold the Lamb of God who what? Who takes away the sins of the world. And, and, and Calvary, friends, is our Passover. And there, the perfect Lamb of God, uh, His blood was shed. And get, guess what? It was placed here, and here, and here. And, and so there, uh, the perfect Passover Lamb's blood is shed. And the Bible says that anyone who would believe in Him, for anyone that would, would trust in His name, for anyone that would, would call out to Him, they'll be saved. And it says that, that, they, that literally death will pass them over. They'll, they'll inherit eternal life. And listen, following the Passover, guess what? Is a parting. And God takes the curtain of separation between God and man, and He tears it from heaven down to earth. And, and now the separation between man and God is parted. So that what? So that we can cross, right, from, from death into the promised life of God, promised all the way back in Genesis 3, life of God. And so, so, so there's a Passover that leads to a parting now that we can walk into the promise of God. And once we arrive into the promise of God, God lays before us a path. Jesus says, you can take these words of mine and you can put them into practice and you'll be wise. And no matter what comes your way in life as the storms beat against you, I tell you that they will not ruin you for you will be living upon the rock. Or... You can be a foolish builder. And you can hear the words of mine and not put them into practice. And I tell you, when the streams arise and the wind beats against your house, you will fall with a great crash. You see, because of Calvary, we now have a choice. Because of Calvary, we now have a choice. By the way, if you're wondering about the enemy... What does the Bible say about him? 
It says when that Passover happens and when the parting occurs, it says that that enemy that tries to pursue us into the promise of God is swallowed up in victory. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? See, Israel is an illustration for what happens for us in Christ. And now because of Jesus, we can choose. We get to choose to walk in his ways or to disobey him. Because of Calvary, we are now free to choose. So we, we got to start there, right? Because of Calvary, we are, are, are free to choose. Now let's talk about um, this way of God, right? So we're going to choose the way of God. We need to talk about it a little bit. And here's the second thing that I would tell you this morning. Is this way of God, these commands of God, are a blessing, not a burden. All right? These commands of God are a, a blessing, not a burden. We now get to choose. We get to live according to God's ways. His ways, according uh, to Scripture, are a blessing, not a burden, right? And, and I know a lot of people that don't believe this. Many people think about God and, and they think that the commandments of God are just meant to weigh them down, to slow them down, to keep them from fun, right? But listen to what the Word of God declares in 1 John 5, 3. It says this, For this is what love for God is. To keep his commands. Ready? And his commands are not what? Burdensome. His commands are not burdensome. Right? Now, what the Jews did with the commands of God made them burdensome. Right? I mean, Jesus calls them out. He says, why, why do you put extra weight upon the people? I, I mean, they, they come to Jesus. They say, well, what, what's the most important commandment? Right? And he says, well, it's to love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. All of the commandments hang on these two. And, and Jesus looks at the, at, at the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes. He says, why, why do you put extra weight upon people? Why, why do you put so, such an extra burden upon people? He said, like the ways of God are not meant to be a burden. They're meant to be a blessing. They're, they're meant to keep you from harm. They're not meant to hurt you. They're not meant to weigh you down. They're meant to actually let you experience life. Listen, friends, I love you, but I, I just want you to know that life is not burdensome. You want to know what's burdensome? Walking in death. That's burdensome. You, you, you want to know what's heavy? Shackles. Those are heavy. You, you, know what I, you know what's heavy? Strongholds of the enemy. That's heavy, right? I, I mean, what's heavy is to try to walk through life with your head up when you feel like a piece of junk because of the way that you're living and you know that it's not right. That's what's heavy, right? But listen to me. The ways of God, they are not heavy. The ways of God are not heavy. Which brings me to my last point. Ready? that true freedom involves living within the right restrictions. Okay? True freedom involves living within the right restrictions. Speaking of restrictions, right? You're good. Don't worry about it. Somebody asked me once, do you ever... Like, do you ever get distracted while you're preaching? I said, like, the only time I've really honestly been distracted was somebody was playing with a Tonka truck in the back, and we were on a slope surface, and that Tonka truck got released, and somehow it made it through all of the pews all the way down to the front and slammed into the Lord's Supper table. And I was like, whoa, 
So I was distracted then. There was, you may also remember the, uh, the wasp of, uh, of 2016 that as I was pre- just flying around and I just grabbed my Bible and said, and the Lord says, and I smacked, you may not have noticed that, but there's a dead wasp there, but those are up there with the time. So uh, last thing I, I want to I share with you guys is this. When we think about these ways of God, and, 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 and again, because the world tries to tell us, man, the ways of God are burdensome, Right? I mean, the ways of God are, are heavy, but, but, but the Bible actually declares that true freedom involves living within the right restrictions. And, and this is the argument that, lay, that Moses lays uh, out before his people in Deuteronomy 30, uh, verse 20. He says, love the Lord your God, obey him, and remain faithful to him, for he is your life. For he is life, right? He's saying like real life is found in God. It's not found elsewhere, right? Right. Life is not defined. Freedom is not defined in living without restrictions. Rather, freedom is defined. It's found in living within the right restriction. He said God is the right restriction. And if you, if you live in God, if you live God's ways, then, then you'll experience the true freedom that he has meant for you, right? Because he is your life. He'll prolong your days if you do this, right? And you're going to live in the land of blessing much longer. And so another way to say that is that God um, is our real life, he's our true life, and, and that we'll only experience true freedom when we walk in him. Now listen to me, everything else, everything else is Egypt. Eyes right here. Adults, you need to hear me. We will only experience true freedom, walking in God's ways, everything else leads to Egypt. Amen. Everything else leads back to slavery. Everything else leads back to shackles. Everything else leads back to strongholds. See, unlike what our society tries to tell us, true freedom is not the absence of constraints. Timothy Keller argues this, uh, and, and when he does, he says, uh, think of it like a fish, right? Think of it like a fish for a second. Now, a, a fish absorbs its oxygen from water, not from air, Right? That's how a fish works. Uh, uh, now, now, fish, when it is in the water, absorbing its oxygen, has great freedom. It can swim around, it can jump, it can eat. I mean, it's, it's got this amazing life as long as it lives within the restrictions of God. Right? And, and the restrictions of what it was created for. It was created to get its oxygen from water. Now, the moment that you, quote, unquote, set it free from its restrictions... It loses everything about its nature. It loses everything about its freedom. And in fact, it no longer is agile. It can just flop around. It no longer can, can dive and swim and, and move. It just flops around and, and, and it can no longer breathe. It eventually suffocates to death. Friends, listen to me. I love you. But some of you need to get back in the water. You don't realize it, but you're choosing to reject the ways of God. You're choosing to say, I know better. I'm I'm throwing off these restrictions. And what you don't realize is you're just flopping around and you're about to suffocate to death. (laughs) You follow me? The restrictions of God are a blessing. They're not a curse. And so uh, here is our lie. Ready? I can't help the way I am. And here is the truth of God's word. Because of Calvary, I am free to choose the blessing of obedience to God and experience true life. Because of Calvary, I'm free to choose the blessing of obedience to God and experience true life.
All right, so I'm going to give you some application real quick, and we'll get out of here. Number one, um, that first challenge is just to receive the freedom that only Jesus can bring. Right? So it has to start there. Like, like some of us in a room this big, and I know 830 service, many of you are like, man, I'm a believer in Jesus. I've been a believer in Jesus my whole life. That's great. But if you're not, if you've not put your faith and trust in Jesus, let me just tell you what the Bible says. It says you're a slave. Like the Bible says if you have not received Christ, if you have not um, put the, the blood of the perfect Passover lamb upon your life, right, in, in your heart, right, if you haven't allowed the blood of Jesus to cover you, the Bible says that you're currently enslaved. It says that you're a slave to sin and death, right? Ephesians 2, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins and what you used to live when you followed the ways of the world. So if you're here and you have never received Jesus Christ and the gift that he gave us when he died on the cross, the, I'm not trying to offend you, I'm just trying to tell you the truth. You're currently enslaved to sin and, and ultimately when you pass from this life to the next, when this life suffocates you and, and you breathe your last breath here on earth, the Bible says you'll be separated from God forever. Okay, that's hard, that's not fun, it, it, it's not a happy-go-lucky, like I don't love to stand up here and say, I'm just, I'm just telling you the truth, I'm trying to tell you the truth in love. That is what the Bible says, okay? So the Bible says without Jesus, without Jesus, that you are currently living in bondage to sin, and the wage of sin is death, all right? That's what the Bible says. So, so the very first thing you have to do, you've got to believe in Jesus. So if you're here this morning, you've never done that, I'm going to tell you, it's not as complicated as you think. Uh, a very simple prayer to cry out to Jesus, Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. Please come and save me from my sin. I recognize you're the perfect Lamb of God. I'm going to put my faith and trust in you. I want you to come into my life. I want you to change me from the inside out. I mean, just anything along those lines, you can just cry out, Lord, have mercy on me. Save me. I'm a sinner. And God will honor that prayer, okay? All right, so that's, a, that, that's the first step. You have to believe um, in Jesus. You have to receive the freedom that only he can give you. Uh, the second, once you have done that, okay, once you have believed in Jesus, right, once, once the Passover has happened, once the parting has happened, once, once you've been able to walk into the promise, which is the life of God, then you have to do something, right? You have to choose. That's what you have to do. And so I'm going to challenge you, choose, man. Just choose. Joshua says it uh, lovely, doesn't he? He says, choose this day whom you will serve, right? E e either gods of your forefathers back in Egypt or the one true living God. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Choose. And friends, I, I love you. That that's good Bible preaching, right? We, we like to proclaim that. But the truth is we walk out of this building every single week and we go make choices that don't reflect the ways of God. We choose the ways of the world. We choose to throw off the constraints of God, which lead to genuine life. Like, listen, the Ten Commandments, we, can we run through those? Like, like, are any of those meant to hinder your life? No. They're meant to teach you to love God, to, to love one another, right? To, to, to genuinely, like, respect other people, not to take their stuff, not to hurt them, not to be mean, right? But to choose goodness and, and to choose kindness, don't go back. Everything else is Egypt. Everything else is Egypt. So this morning, I just say to you, choose God's way. Lastly, uh, I, I would say this, ready? Um, I, I really think Christians need to get back to this. <laughs> Rejoice in the restrictions of God. Man, we just, we just got to enjoy it. So, so God is, I mean, God, yeah, listen, I know what the world tells you. Like, man, the Bible is oppressive. Man, God is so restrictive. God is oppressive. He wants you to have no fun. He's a no fun God. No, he's actually not a no fun God. He's a God that made the whole world. He made all of its inner workings. And the God that made the whole world and all of its inner workings had given you the inside scoop. 
He's actually said like, so here's the deal. This is the way the world works. And if you stay in these boundaries, dude, you will love it. Okay? But the moment that you step outside, life's going to get very difficult for you. And so he's like, if you'll stay in these boundaries, if you will stay in this water, right? If you'll stay in this water, you will love the life I've given you. But man, the moment that you step out, everything that I created you to be will change. And all the grace and the beauty that I made you to have will just turn into flipping and flopping and gasping for air. Some of you feel that this morning because that's exactly where you've been. You've been flipping and flopping and gasping for air and you've been blaming God for it. God, why would you make life so difficult? And God's going, listen, I love you, dummy. Get back in the water. Just get back in the water. I'm not mean. I'm not oppressive. I made life. I designed it. I made you. And I've told you exactly how to experience the fullness of life. So just get back in the water. Would you rejoice in the water? Would you rejoice in the water this week? Man, start tearing it up. Swim, swim, swim. All right, join me in a word of prayer. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your word. I pray that we would receive it well. Lord, first I want to pray for anybody that is here that does not know you. Anybody here that has not believed in your name. If they haven't, Lord, they have never experienced the freedom that you bring. And so this morning, I want to ask that you would bring that person to life. I want to pray that you would remove the shackles of doubt that have bound their heart. I want to pray that you would break them free from the chains that have bound them to their sin. I want to pray that you would speak to their heart and say, I can bring you to life today. Just believe. And if you're here and that's you, just in your heart right now, you just pray a little simple prayer. King Jesus, I need you in my life. Would you come and set me free? If you pray that prayer at the end of the service, just come see me. Uh, Father, I pray for my Christian brothers and sisters. They have a choice set before them. And that is to put the word into practice or to hear the word and not. One is wise and one is foolish. And Lord, for every Christian brother and sister here that has been gasping for air, flopping around in life, Would you gently and lovingly just call them back to the water today? And if that's you, pray a little prayer and just say, King Jesus, I am tired. I am tired of living outside of your way. I want real life again. Help me get back in the water. Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen.